This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, everybody. We're back, and we're going to actually finish off that New Testament letter of Colossians today. It comes to you live at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays, and of course it goes to YouTube channel and NBCC Norco YouTube. You can get it there anytime. Um, but it's my, been my pleasure to preach to this one. Next week, I'm going to start a short series. I'll go topical for about four weeks. I'm going to do a little how to fight fair. It's more on communication and relationships. Should be very helpful. Should be very interesting. But today I want to finish off. It's going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about real friends. Because Paul's going to list a bunch of real friends. You know, friendship's really important. But do you know that most of us, especially us guys, time we get a certain age, we really don't have many friends. I mean friends. We don't even know what friendship really is defined by. We dialogue sports and weather and the job and how's it going. And every, it's always like, oh, it's going good. But we, you know, who knows if that's really true. And the truth is we all need friends. And we need real friends. You know, we need the, the, the kind that are, stick with you thick and thin. I mean, Jesus gave us evidence that he, God in the flesh, needed friends in the Garden of Gethsemane in the dialogue that he had in that garden. My soul is deeply grieved. To the point of death, remain here and keep watch with me. He's opening up his inner self and sharing. It took me years to get that, to see that, to understand that. So, today, we're going to take Paul's perspective on a bunch of his friends. And we're going to zip through it, and hopefully it'll, certain parts will like, yeah, yeah, okay, I can see that, I can see that. But he's going to give you the friends' names, he's going to give you why they're his friends. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read Philipp, um, Colossians 4, verse 7 through 18. So stick with me through 11 verses. And then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to name all the people and share what's unique about them. So as to all my affairs, uh, Gaikus our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant of the Lord will bring you information. For I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. They will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings. And also Barnabas' cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. Now, Jesus was a very common name in that day. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, meaning they're Jewish people. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, 
have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. So, so now you see how these New Testament letters are being passed around to the different churches in the different cities. Verse 17 says, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Okay. So let's start breaking some things down. Let's talk about real friends. I'm going to give you the names that he's named, and I'm going to share a little bit about what Paul says about them. Here's real friends. First off, he says, Tychicus and Onesimus. They, there's something unique about them in that they know Paul's burdens. In verses 7 and 8, he sends them with information concerning his circumstances. Paul doesn't write in the letter what his circumstances, the specifics are. They know he's in prison. He doesn't write that, you know, about his situation in the Roman jail. But he says that the two friends will share these specifics about Paul's life with the church there. And Onesimus, by the way, is a runaway slave that we find in the letter Philemon later in the New Testament. But here's the deal about these guys, and here's our application from them. They know. They know Paul's burdens, and they know Paul's pressures. Does anyone know your burdens? Does anyone know your pressures, the, the things you really feel at times in life? Do you ever share any of these things with anyone? What's really going on inside of you? See, the first thing Paul jets out with is he doesn't fly solo. He lets his friends in to what's really going on inside of him. Now, I want you to first, before we jump to other friends in here, I want you to first notice in verse 7, there's three traits of a real friend according to what it's listed. He calls them beloved brother. What's a beloved brother? Well, that's someone who is um, through thick and thin. They're just, they're by your side. Even when you don't agree with each other, it's thick and thin. It just gets me that when people don't agree, I can't talk to them or hang around with them anymore. Really? How old are you? See, grown-ups don't do that. And, and it's really, it's heartbreaking to watch so many people in adult bodies acting like children. Grow up now. It's a beloved brother's real friend. He says, then a faithful minister. What's that? Well, somebody's just dependable. They're faithful. They're dependable. You can count on them. That's what friends are. You can count on them. And then he says, fellow servant. That's big. You know why? A servant? Question. Was it easy hanging around Paul? No. It's not easy serving next to Paul. He's encountering all kinds of opposition, all kinds of negative events, all kinds of attacks. But these real friends, they're sticking right with them and they're serving. It wasn't the easiest road to go, but they stuck with them, man. That's a real friend. Now, the second thing we say is that this guy, Paul names Aristarchus. Now, what's ours? Who is he? What's about him? Well, we know in the New Testament that he risked his life for Paul in a riot. You find that in Acts chapter 19, verses 28 and 30. See, real friends, 
lay it all on the line for friends. He runs into a riot. Why? To save Paul's life. He could have said, I'm not going in there. I'm going to lose my life in there. I, I can't go in there. Nope. He says, I'm going in. That's a friend. That's a friend. You risk your life for somebody else. David's on the run in the Old Testament. And remember he whispers, oh, I remember the water in Bethlehem is so good. I just wish I had some of that water. Some of his mighty men, they hear him whisper because they're sensitive. How sensitive are we to the voice of God? But they're sensitive. And what do they do? They go break behind enemy lines, go get water in Bethlehem, and they bring it to him. They risk their life for something that he wanted so dearly at the time as a man on the run. Hey, that's a real friend. The third thing we see, person we see is Mark. Mark, who went from a deserter to a valued disciple. Now, you need to know that on one of the missionary journeys in Acts, this guy bailed on Paul. He just quit. And the next time around, Mark wants to come back, and Paul says, nope, you're not going with me. I'm not taking the liability with me. And there's such a division there that Barnabas splits from Paul, takes Mark with him, and Paul goes his own way. Now, here's a great thing. And I love that the Bible puts real life in there. The people did have problems with each other. But here's a great thing about Mark. He turned his failure around. He completely turned around, and he becomes a great friend and a co-labor with Paul. You know what this teaches us? That some of our greatest friends will be people that we once wrote off. Will be people that maybe once let us down. People that once quit. This means that backsliding person that you're thinking about, ah, they'll never turn. You don't know. They could turn around. They could be your best friend one day. And then there's a guy named Justice. Justice, the friends who need no recognition. We know nothing about justice. Nothing is mentioned about this guy. See, some of your greatest servants slash friends need no recognition. They don't need their great deeds announced. They don't want them announced. They know God keeps record. God will reward them. Let me, let me just tell you, let me just say something about this. These typically are servant-motivated type men and women found in Romans chapter 12 under the motivational gifts. This is the way they view life. They don't need any recognition. You don't need to honor them. They feel uncomfortable when you honor them. But they believe they're strong, servant-motivated people. They will do all the background stuff because they feel like this is needed so that you can do something more important. Let me tell you right now, you need a lot of these type of people because they are the backbone of the church. I learned this a long time ago. And I've never forgot it. There's a difference between significant and prominent. Has anyone ever come up to you and said, um, boy, you have a real nice liver? <laughs> no. No one's ever done that. But here's a question. Can you live without your liver? No. Your liver is significant. There are servants all over the church that are significant. See, I'm prominent. I'm like a hand. You see me. But you can live without a hand. But you can't live without a liver. See, the servant-motivated people in the church, we can't live without them. 
And they don't need any recognition. But I'll tell you what they do need. They just need a thank you. And they're good to go, man. They're just great people. They're great people. That's what justice is. And then the fifth guy we see is Epaphras. He's the guy who, who's a friend that shared Paul's concern. How do I know that? Guess what he did? He travels from Colossae, where this letter is sent, to Rome, where Paul's in prison, to tell Paul of heresy, lies, false teaching. They're invading the church here in Colossae. It's a 1,300-mile trip by land and sea. Guys, they don't have a car. They're not on a plane. This is a trip. This shows he has great concern for the family of God, just like Paul. Just like Paul. That he would travel that far to say, Paul, we got problems coming over here. So Paul could write the letter, and that letter could be brought back to say, guys, this is the right road. They're teaching you the wrong way. That's a great friend. He shares the same concern as Paul. That's a great friend. The next one is Luke. Well, Luke, he stayed with Paul to the very end. We find here he's with Paul at the very end of his life. Luke is a doctor. He's a professional man who uses his skills in service to God. You think about that. He's a doctor, but he's traveling with Paul. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Luke is with Paul in the shipwreck with Paul. Luke is with Paul here in the scriptures to the very end. To the very end. That's a good friend. To the very end. And Demas. Demas is the friend that we lost. What do I mean? In Philemon, verse 24, because it's only one chapter, he's mentioned specifically as a fellow laborer. That's good. And then in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, 10, he's mentioned as a deserter who forsook the, the faith and was never reclaimed, never came back to it. We all know people like that, don't we? They once were great servants, fellow laborers. You could count on them in church. And then they just strayed away. Whatever lie they believed, they strayed away. And that's a tragic thing. How bad do you think Paul ever felt about watching somebody stray away and waste their life in things that do not give life? I think it hurt Paul really, really deeply. And I've seen too many stray. Too many. And they think they're okay. No, they're not. And then the next one is Nympha. This is the friend who opened her home for church gatherings. This woman had a church in her home. And that's how most churches begin. They don't begin with what we have here. They begin in a home. Paul <clears throat> was impressed with her desire to see God's word taught that she would open her home. I think she understood something. She understood that all things, her home, everything she has, they all belong to God. They all belong to God, like her home. So whatever God wanted for her home, okay, God, it's yours. Nothing's mine. Naked I came, naked I leave. It's all yours. All good things come from God, from the Father of lights. She understood that. Do you understand that? Your home and your money and everything, not even your kids, they don't belong to you. They belong to God. God's a giver of all good things. Nympha understood that. And then the next person is Archippus. This is the man who needed encouragement. <clears throat> now, Paul never states what type of encouragement this man needed. 
Maybe it was to continue. Maybe he was growing weary. I don't know. Maybe the false teaching invading the church was getting to him. Maybe the burden in ministry was getting too heavy. I don't know. I don't know. But I know he needed encouragement. So, um, I'm at a pastor's dinner. No, it wasn't a dinner. It was a gathering. A couple weeks ago. And they asked those of us on the what's called a regional leadership team for the Assemblies of God, of which I'm on, come forward. If any pastors need prayer, come on up. One young man, or a man comes up to me, probably 10 years younger than me. And he asked me to pray for him. He's, I said, what's up? And he explained it to me. Being a senior pastor is wearing on him. He's getting opposition. He's getting a lot of pushback. And it's tiring him out. And so I prayed for him. And I prayed for him. I prayed encouraging words upon him. Because I don't want to see any ministers quit. I don't want to see any ministers quit. Right before I came up to tape, I visited, a missionary came to visit with me. We spent the morning at a different pastor's breakfast and then came here. And what the speaker at the pastor's breakfast talked about was exactly the very same thing that him and I talked about because I had gone through the experience in my life of transitioning a church with young leadership. And it's a very important thing to do because churches are getting older and existing spiritual leaders are getting older and we need young leadership or else, well, the churches are going to end up closing down and there are, two, there are thousands that close down every year because they don't make transitions. And that's a fact. And that's why us older people, we had better start looking at ourselves as missionaries to a younger generation and put our money behind the young ministers or else there's no hope for our country. We need the young ministers. And we need to know that we're part of the transition to help them transition and to make sure all these churches exist in the next hundred years if, if the Lord should tarry. But I ministered to him and I ministered to him and I ministered to him on this very thing. And he's a missionary from another country. It was great. It was great. He was so encouraged. He was so encouraged. And I didn't plan on this to happen this way. Not at all. But that's one of those things that I thank God for that I went through it so now I can minister to others. See, people need encouragement. You may not think, oh, they don't need it. Yeah, people really need encouragement. I'm at my coffee shop again, and one of the young gals there, because I get to know them all, and I asked her, I go, how's this and this? Because I know certain things she struggles with. And I was talking to her more and more and this and that. Okay, I just want to make sure. And she goes, you know, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. She just needed somebody to ask encouragement. They all need it. Paul's encouraging Archippus. He's a good friend. He's encouraging him from 1,300 miles away because Paul's still in the Roman jail. And in this letter, Archippus' name is mentioned. He encourages him. Question, how do you think Archippus felt when the letter is read and his name is mentioned? telling him, you have a specific ministry to fulfill. Ah, there's something specific for you to do, Archippus, 
for God while you are on earth. I bet you it boosted his morale. I bet you he was just like, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. See, real friends encourage. It's one of their main jobs. Well, we've finished the book. We're leaving Colossians now. It's been a fun ride. God bless you. We'll see you. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.